0: Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. Coming to you from the other London, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. I'm your host today, Evan Chen, and with me is Emma. Hello. Hi- Hello. And with us today, we have Mark. Mark, how are you doing? I'm
1: good, thanks. Thank you for inviting me to this.
0: Oh, excellent. So, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? What do you do? All that stuff.
1: Uh, My name is Mark Filipowicz. I uh, am a first-year MA student in Media Studies um, here at Western. Um, I am the uh, now sole coordinator of the Blogs of the Roundtable feature at Critical Distance, um, and I also do various uh, writings around the internets um, regarding media and other uh, such shenanigans. So that's what I do. Um, And I've just kind of only just been starting my um, research processes in the academy, but uh, that's what I've been doing for the last few years. Oh, cool.
0: Nice. So what do you have today? What sort of directions in terms of research are you thinking of pursuing here?
1: Uh, The last... month and a half or so? Well, yeah, the last month and a half or so I've kind of been writing a lot about the the idea of sort of technological determinism and the myth of progress and how that uh, idea is expressed in different cultural artifacts or texts. Um, Specifically, uh, two offshoots of science fiction, cyberpunk and steampunk, really deal with those concepts and what I think are really interesting ways. Okay.
0: So what exactly is this myth of progress?
1: The myth of progress, um, I'll just back up a couple decades. Uh, In, uh, I can't remember, 1968, I think, uh, a literary and cultural theorist named Roland Barthes uh, wrote a book called Mythologies in which he wrote an essay called Myth Today. And he described myth as a process by which um, culture or history is transformed into nature or is framed in a way that's natural. So the status quo we think of as natural, even though it's um, built historic with history and with culture. And um, so with that understanding of myth um, as something that doesn't... uh, as a um, article of culture that is framed as though it's natural and the way things are meant to be or should be, um, the myth of progress is that history moves in one direction toward uh, the gradual improvement of everybody um, in the world. And time flows, and uh, this is from the theorist named uh, Vincent Moscow. Um, the myth of progress is that Things are going to gradually get better all the time across history, usually with the development of more technology. Okay.
0: So sort of this idea that things get better, but also that the past was just worse than what we have now.
1: Yeah, the the past was worse, and now everything is universally better for everybody.
0: Um, Because technology is awesome that way.
1: Because technology is awesome that way. And uh, (laughs) the more we have the better we'll be, um, and you'll kind of notice that sort of stamps onto um, sort of a capitalistic mode of thinking of the world, is that we'll, we just need to get more stuff, and then we'll be better, and then we'll have more access to more stuff, which will make us exponentially better. Cool. I
0: mean, it sounds like you're uh, skeptical of this perspective.
1: Um, I don't know if I'm skeptical, but I just think that there's um, it's more complicated... Uh, than that. I think history is very difficult to move in one direction, and I think uh, power doesn't flow in one direction. I think um, we can look at something like um, uh, just trying to think of an example um, mass production is a good example because it helps build um, machines, it helps build farming equipment, it helps build um more things. Uh, it also produces extreme amounts of waste. It also makes uh, it very easy to exploit workers uh, in um, in the mid-19th century in Europe and um, most of the world now. Um, something like antibiotics and penicillin is indisputably a good thing for healthcare. Um, it also may produce viruses, and we're seeing that it can do that. And uh, so I don't necessarily think that it's everything is getting better for everybody all the time. I think that these um, influences of technology, uh, while profound and while um, uh, significant, don't guarantee a better life for everybody. And I think this is something that Moscow talks about in his book, the digital sublime, um, because we can't really think of um, something like radio being the new new thing that will usher in a new age, or television, or radar, or the internet. I mean, we keep looking at this next thing that's going to revolutionize the world, and there's a lot of arrogance in that, to think that our experiences are completely unlike any other generation before us. Um, and while I don't necessarily think that's true, I also, I will admit that they have an impact, of course, but, um,
0: yeah. So it's more complicated than just technology equals better.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very, uh, naive read of how things work and how things are produced and how things, uh, interact with us as
0: people. Well, you mentioned at the beginning that you're looking at this in relation to things like cyberpunk and steampunk. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: I can. Uh, so, at the in the late 70s into the 80s, um, there was a rise in conservative uh, uh, movements in the English-speaking world, and I'm sure elsewhere, though I don't actually can't actually confirm that. Um, and while the culture, most of these cultures generally accepted these movements in in the counterculture. Uh, very recognizable is punk, and punk is which you can kind of know um, if you know the music. Punk mm-hmm. is noise music; it's garbage music. And uh, well, I, I say that I say that uh, uh, pointedly because um, the word punk go, refers. In the 16th and 17th century, to prostitutes. Um, punk is also I did not know that. Yeah, punk is also a it refers to uh, cheap uh, um, uh, wood. It's which is good for nothing except tinder. Um, punk is in you know American prisons in the mid 20th century uh, a sex slave in prison in male prisons. Um, A punk is is not always, but a punk is associated with garbage, and it's abject. Um, So this movement of punk that produces garbage music, these garbage kids, um, uh, these angry kids who are mad at the status quo, um, create this scene um, as a sort of site of resistance. Um, Meanwhile, very shortly after, in 1983, Bruce Bethke writes a story called Cyberpunk which is about a group of teenagers um, uh, robbing banks and messing with their permanent records at their high schools from uh, what we would think of as the internet, but like a digital network. And so cyberpunk emerges with that sort of anti-establishment ethos um, with that same sort of, um, these people are garbage and, and we don't know what's human anymore and that sort of uh, element of resistance um, and steampunk comes out in 1989. Uh, it's a phrase by J.W. Jeter, who wrote a mag- wrote a letter to a magazine, I can't remember which one, and he coined the term steampunk, um, which addresses many of the same problems, uh, but from a different perspective. So that's uh, a quick and dirty uh, genealogy of those words as I know them, as best I know them.
0: So my understanding of steampunk was always that it was like, and this may be from the costuming scene instead of more what you're looking at, but that it's set in the Victorian era where steam ended up being the primary form of uh, power rather than coal. And so it's to me, is is that still not about developing technology? Does that still not fit in with this myth of progress in
1: how? It does in in a really interesting way because when I first approached these ideas, I thought that cyberpunk. Uh, I'll be crass about it. I thought that was the smart science fiction, and steampunk <laughs> was the was the nostalgia for well, c- why can't we go back to when things were uh, better? And that was an oversimplification. I think even in the uh, subculture, which is fascinating, even not just the literature of it, um, or the film, or the the games, or whatever. Um, so uh, steampunk is interesting because yeah, it does center on steam. Um, and I think steam power was uh, was made with coal. I think that... Mm, well,
0: yeah. you use it to fire furnaces and boil yeah. water to push locomotives and engines and stuff, right?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think it's very important that it's in Victorian London because Victorian London is the height of empire, mm-hmm. in, of the greatest empire, um, and I use that for good and bad, mm. <laughs> uh, the greatest empire in human history. And it's also the site of industrialization. So what steampunk does is it it places contemporary technology or contemporary understandings of technology back at the site where all these um, movements of technology originate. And it reimagines different possibilities. So instead of empire, you have alternatives to that. Instead of industrialization, you have uh, brass machines, exposed cogs. Um, you have the goggles. You have devices, and these are all very tangible. They're very uh, immediate. They're concrete. They're almost erotic. You can touch them. You feel them. They're haptic. These are not mass-produced machines. There's a human element to them. These mm-hmm. are human. These things. These are things that are made by humans, um, and in a way, they kind of become more humanized in this understanding. Uh, complete like. A a different way of looking at it would be cyberpunk, um, which is invisible technology. It's digital technology where human consciousness can be turned into data. Um, There's an old, a professor of mine here recommended an old Outer Limits episode called uh, Demon with a Glass Hand, in which uh, a a guy comes back from the future um, with a hand made of glass that has all of the consciousness of, he comes back in time, uh, the consciousness of the entire human species on a copper wire you know, wired into his hand, and he has to find out how to save the human race. So the idea that all of consciousness, all that makes us unique, any, if there's any essence to humanity, um, the fact that that can be stored as data is invisible and terrifying, and that's kind of what cyberpunk deals with. Um, but it projects it into the future, where steampunk projects anxieties into the past to sort of try to reimagine them. That make did that make any sense?
0: To me, it did. I don't know, even do you? <laughs> no,
1: that, that was really
0: fascinating. But so, what sort of commentary is, say, let's start with Steampunk. Then, what is it saying about, um, say, our relationship with technology, with this notion of progress? And how, is it refuting that? Is it, um, you know, adding some sort of nuance?
1: I think it is adding nuance. I think it's it's not saying that progress is bad. Um, I think even steampunk that is not necessarily punk or uh, counter-culture or anti-authority, I think by this point, both cyberpunk and steampunk had their heyday in the 80s, maybe the 90s. I think they're still both around, obviously, but um, even as very popular, very consumer-focused products... Uh, the subculture or the um, the texts of them. they still deal in this this narrative progress, but they don't endorse it and they don't completely shut it down either. They complicate it in a way that I think is very um I'm gonna use a null word interesting um, <laughs> which is I just don't know can't figure out how, but yeah, so I think what steampunk does is, it takes us back to a place where we can reimagine a different mode of progress, a different path. Uh, William Gibson and Bruce Sterling wrote a book together and they were both huge cyberpunk writers, but they wrote a steampunk book called the difference engine Mm -hmm. about um, what if instead of uh, industrialization, there was biotech that was the focus of the 19th century and, um, Actually, I think I'm getting the book wrong. But um, there are different Im- there are different ways to imagine. Um, what if instead of focusing on this aspect of technology, something else is fo- focused on, and that really rehumanizes the idea of progress because um, technological determinism is the idea that. Uh, Technology is a force unto itself, that it can't be controlled, that something is going to sweep us up, and we must adapt to the changes or the whims of the things we produce. Um, But Steampunk imagines that technology adapts to us. It reinserts agency, either the agency of a a monarch, of a corporation, of a group of people, um, or even just an independent local tinkerer who's just curious and makes things. Um, So technology is reclaimed by human beings. Um, Is that similar
0: in cyberpunk? Because my impression of those stories is that uh, things are often much more dystopian. Universes are... The the future is basically a dark, usually corporate-run, horrifying place.
1: Yeah, um, and that's why I think that they approach the same problem from opposite directions. Um, Steampunk projects the contemporary problems of technology into the past to correct them. Cyberpunk projects contemporary problems of technology into the future and imagines what will happen if we don't address them. Um, so I think of something like Blade Runner a seminal example. Mm-hmm. Um, Akira would be another good one where um, the the traditional locus of power being either government or um, communities, people, people, um, uh, even even human labor is all made obsolete, and um, it's in a world where uh, <laughs> everything is dictated by the production and uh, accumulation of more capital, and that is all centered um, at the highest tiers. Human beings themselves are made obsolete, um, and the yeah and and the environment decays. Um, the Delineation between human machine decays. Um, and there's a lot of anxiety in that. So, yeah, they absolutely are connected. And steampunk comes out of cyberpunk. So they do deal with very similar things um, that I think is interesting. Um, and I would like... And this is even just talking about English-speaking cyberpunk and steampunk. Um, I'm confident... In fact, I know that there's a lot of both um, in Japan. I would be very surprised if there weren't any in Latin America, just because of um, the prevalence of magical realism in those texts. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's... well, Guillermo del Toro's first film, Kronos, could be considered a steampunk uh, film. Um, There's a South African writer named Lauren Bukes who is an amazing writer. I discovered her novel, Zoo City, over the summer, and it's cyberpunk to a T. So... I'm very interested to see how this these ta- this, these genres work in a global setting. I haven't got there yet, but I don't know, maybe maybe one day. Cool. Um, that's the next step, hopefully. That's what the PhD is for. Oh god. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, before we get there, um, yeah, do you have any other examples, perhaps, of uh, steampunk or cyberpunk books, movies, things you might recommend for someone who's interested in finding more about some of these stories?
1: Um. You can't really talk about cyberpunk without talking about Neuromancer, which is a novel by William Gibson. Um, um, More contemporary examples. I think even though the punk element of cyberpunk, you could argue, is no longer there, I think that makes it even more interesting, because how do you strip the element of resistance from a text that is founded in resistance? How do you commodify something that is anti-commodity? Um, so that process, I, I don't know. I don't know how how you square that circle. So um, there are, I can think of a few video games that are actually really interesting. There's yeah, a game called uh, Invisible Ink, um, which is a, a, a good cyberpunk game. Um, Austin Walker, who finished his PhD here, but he was here in the MIM uh, in the MIM media studies program yep. not long ago he made a game called A Century that's a text-based uh, hyperlink game um which is very steampunk and very good and that's uh, I was that's actually one of the one of the reasons why I kind of got interested in this um, stuff um, Would something
0: like Fallout 4 fall under the cyberpunk I was I di- I was reading your blog before
1: yeah. I came in oh, here God. so that's
0: why I have it on my mind uh, I
1: have no idea. Fallout 4 is weird because um, that that really, with the idea of the power armor and the idea of rebuilding things that you need out of garbage, seems almost more steampunk. Um, so it's bizarre. Uh, I don't know. And I mean, something like Firefly. Is Firefly cyberpunk because it's in the future, or is it steampunk because it's Victorian? Um, and it really deals with this uh, reimagining of... Like, Serenity is the ship they fly. It has a personality. So that's a humanization of a machine. So so where, where do you separate these categories and where do you fit one as the other? Um, you know, maybe that doesn't really matter, but I don't know. Um, All right, so we're running
0: out of time here. Okay. Um, about a minute left. Mark, is there is there anything, um, sort of a takeaway message that you hope to be able to make in your research?
1: Yeah, I would like to talk about how um, the artifacts or the the texts, these bits of language that we, that culture produces um, have a very unique way of, well, they, they have a way of augmenting the way that we look at the world. And I think that um, they really shake up the sort of natural default setting that we have uh, in regards to either technology or progress or um, the flow of history. And I think that these texts interrupt them even when they don't intend to in ways that I think are worth paying attention to. So I would like, if nothing else, for whoever is interested in giving these uh, things a chance to consider how they um, how they operate in the context of our conter- contemporary status quo, whatever that means.
0: All right. Well, great. Thank you very much for talking with us today, Mark. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. That's all we got for this week. If you like this episode, share with someone. Check us all out on Twitter and Facebook. Both you can find through Gradcast Radio. You can go to our website to see more episodes at gradcastradio.ca. And if you want to come on the show and talk about your own research, great line for your CV, go to gradcastradio at gmail.com. The theme is Happy Boy by Kevin MacLeod, and we will see you guys next time.